We appreciate your listenership and loyalty to Dairy Stream. To show our appreciation, we'd like to give you 10% off your Dairy Strong Conference registration with promo code DAIRYSTREAM. One word, no space. If you're new to Dairy Strong, for nearly a decade, our Dairy Strong Conference has been the premier event for forward-thinking farmers and the professionals that support them. Dairy Strong brings together Wisconsin's signature community to captivate, celebrate, and motivate. Join us January 18th through the 19th in Madison, Wisconsin, to hear from inspiring speakers and reconnect with old friends. Visit DairyForward.com for more information. Welcome to Dairy Stream, brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations that fight for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. Dairy Stream focuses on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Well, today on Dairy Stream, a very interesting topic. It deals with Dairy Feed in Focus program. And if you're unfamiliar with it, this is a program to help support the U.S. Dairy Net Zero Initiative. Really, the Dairy Feed in Focus program is helping to develop a replicable program and tool set to really scale the adoption of best management practices in feed and forage production and feed efficiency on dairy farms. And really these practices are expected to result in significant benefits for climate change mitigation, soil health, and water quality on dairy farms of all sizes. And I think that's a key to help on dairy farms of all sizes. And we have three very qualified guests who are gonna share their expertise today on Dairy Stream dealing with this topic. And they are Ricardo Costa, he's the Agriculture Strategy Manager for Nature Conservancy. Also Mercedes Talfati, she's the Farm Sustainability Analyst at Foremost Farms USA. And Derek Jacobs, a farmer manager and also one of the owners of Jacobs Hillview Dairy in Hilbert, where they farm about 800 acres. And again, thank you all for your time and expertise today. And I'm going to begin with you, Ricardo. Uh, can you provide us a little bit more background on the Dairy Feed and Focus program and really where it currently is on its timetable and the benefits that you hope farms will receive? Definitely, Mike. And I'm going to just second you there because Dairy Feed and Focus is actually, like you said, a dairy industry-led effort that designed to incentivize farmers to try conservation practice and also to document their impacts on reducing greenhouse gas emissions as well. It is, as you said, designed to advance the net zero initiative that's an effort by, by the dairy industry to make conservation practice more accessible for all farmers in the United States. So this is a project that here is a partnership between the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy, the Nature Conservancy, we have Syngenta as well, we have Nestle, and we have local co-ops in Michigan and Wisconsin, they are partners. In Michigan, our partners are Michigan Milk Producers Association, MMPA, and in Wisconsin, we are partnering with Foremost Farms. In the first year of the project, in 2022, we have recruited 14 farmers across both states, accounting for over 2,000 acres of conservation practice so far. Now we are recruiting farmers for the 2023 cohort. So if any farmer in Michigan delivers their milk to MMPA, and any farmer in Wisconsin that delivers milk to foremost farmers, they do qualify for that project. They are receiving from us financial incentives through Nestle, 
to try those conservation practices and also technical assistance from the Nature Conservancy in order to install and to adopt those conservation practices. Now, Ricardo, just to clarify as well, as you said, you started with uh, 14 in the state of Wisconsin and also a number of producers in Michigan, and now you're looking for more producers in 2023. Do you have a, a goal number or is you know anyone like in Wisconsin eligible to get involved with this? Yes, uh, very good question, Mike. Any farmer delivering milk to foremost farms in, any, in Wisconsin and any farmer delivering milk to MMPA in Michigan, they do qualify for the program. So the more, the, the better here at this point. All right, thank you very much on that. Also, as we mentioned, uh, Mercedes is with us and she represents Foremost Farms. And maybe you can explain, Mercedes, in what really is your role in the program and how are Foremost Farm patrons involved? Hi, Mike. Yeah, thanks so much for having me as a guest. I feel really lucky to talk about all the amazing work that the Foremost Farms member owners are doing with this collaboration. Um, so my role, I am the Farm Sustainability Analyst for Foremost Farms USA. A little bit of background, it's a dairy cooperative owned by approximately 900 dairy farmers in the upper Midwest and a world-class supplier of cheese and dairy ingredients. So my role in this project is to recruit a subset of our member owners to participate and implement new best management practices that are supported and funded by this project. Um, because it's a voluntary program and project, we promote it to all of our Wisconsin dairy farmers, but those who are interested, they connect with me, and then I work to create the connections between the team at the Nature Conservancy and our farmers. So really just initiating those conversations and those field, reps, um, field visits so that our farmers feel comfortable to share their information and their goals with our partners. Kind of now moving on to um, how our foremost farms patrons involved. They definitely have the most <laughs> crucial role in this project. So I'm really excited that Derek's here to share with everybody about his role and his impact. But Ricardo said it best that this is a partnership. Um, the dairy farmers from Foremost Farms in this program work directly with Ricardo or his team members to map out and implement sustainable practices. They continue to dairy farm each day, but have really chosen to try something new within their operation and experiment due to the funds provided um, by our partners. So really our farmers have been innovative in their choices for which practices they want to implement or diversify if they're already doing a certain practice. But therefore, we already have some awesome stories and experiences that we learned from just after our first year in this program. Some of our farmers have really specific ideas about what they wanted to implement, if that's a diversified cover crop for their soil structure or a feed additive for efficiency, while other farmers have an idea. But the technical assistance and the partnership that the Nature Conservancy provides is a great way for everybody to think outside of the box. But lastly, I just really want to say we're so thankful to our farmers who are interested in these kind of collaborations because there's room for everyone to learn and drive for environmental and economic benefits for dairy farmers and really work toward that industry-wide goal that we have. Well, as you said, Mercedes, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of options, and a lot of creativity, and we commend those entrepreneurs who were the initial uh, patrons that were involved in the first year. And one of those, as I mentioned in the open, is Derek Jacobs from uh, Jacobs Hillview Dairy in Hilbert, Wisconsin. And Derek, maybe you can clarify for us, what were 
or what has been some of the farm implementations you've done since you started in the Dairy Feed and Focus program? Yeah, thank, thank you, Mike. Um, so we were a conventional agricultural uh, business model, and we've switched more to a regenerative model. So that being said, the reason why we did that was we were noticing on the clay ground, it wasn't accepting water from some of these torrential downpours. We were having other issues with runoff, <clears throat> mainly just the water. So we've implemented different concepts with cover cropping, um, so with sacrifice crops, ones we planted in fall and, and uh, come back and use in spring to hold the soil or to hold the nutrients, um, also adding organic matter. Um, different cover crops that we've implemented would be planted in spring where we come back and hit it with manure later in summer. So we have like a sanctuary to go with manure. We've also implemented a reduced tillage. So in fall, we're using like no cover boards or deep ripping. <clears throat> and we've also uh, done some wide dropping this year as far as targeting our fertilization practice for row crop. We've added a binder product to the 32%. It's a molasses-based product. Worked quite well. We did not have burning on the leaves like we were initially concerned about. And uh, overall, things have been looking up. Well, that's good. We'll get into more specific on that in a bit. Just want to ask you a little sidebar. I mean, you've certainly initiated a lot of conservation practices. And I know uh, from knowing of you and your farm, you guys have kind of been leaders in that area. But uh, thanks to the Dairy Feed and Focus program, that it, did that enhance you know, your availability to move ahead with these programs and maybe speed up the process on your farm to implement these various different things? Yeah, definitely with the cover cropping. Um, there's a wealth of knowledge that's hidden out there and you have to kind of dig and dig, but getting to know Ricardo and working with the Nature Conservancy, they've allowed me access to some of this information that I didn't have access to otherwise. Sounds great. And the Ricardo he mentioned is Ricardo Costa. He's the Agriculture Strategy Manager for Nature Conservancy. I want to get back to you, Ricardo, on that. Maybe you can go even more in depth about some of the conservation practices used by other patrons in the program and you know what kind of data, if any, has been collected during this initial year. We offer what we call a mean you approach. So we want to, as you mentioned at the beginning, it's for all sizes of dairy farmers. So we offer different practices depending on the farmer, uh, what the farmer is looking for. That could be, as Derek mentioned, a reduced tillage, cover crop, no-till. Maybe the farmer want to do work with uh, uh, feed enhancement, feed additives. We all support some of those practices. Uh, those practices, they do, again, uh, they do change according what, with what the farmer is looking for. Uh, what we always say is we want to meet the farmer where the farmer is at that moment. And regarding the data, the data will be collected from each farm throughout the time of the program. And in order to address uh, three main folks, I would say. The first focus is to help actually the farm in the program to know where he is, they are in their conservation journey and where they can go next. So that's one key approach why the data is being will be being collected throughout the three years. The other approach for that, Mike, is also for us to be able to see the impact of those conservation practices are having on dealing with challenges such as water quality, soil health, and climate change. And we also hope that the data that we're going to get from these farmers will help our partners, such as Foremost, MMPA, 
Nestle to find which role they can play when it comes to fighting climate change. Now, I also want to ask you, as you put together, you know, your group and you expanded as well, are you hoping to, you know, we talk about the diversity in agriculture production. Well, there's also a lot of diversity in the soil types we have in the state. And, you know, you're talking about a different kind of geography over in Kiwani and Door County than, say, in uh, Marathon County or Eau Claire County. So are you trying to really cover the state and same thing true in Michigan? So you have a lot of diversity in your results? Yeah, yes. And again, one thing that we always need to remember, Mike, that what works for Derek up north might not work for another farmer south of Milwaukee or so on. Correct, yeah. Uh, So even what works for one field might not work in another field. So we want to have a diversity of farmers in the program. So actually that data, as you mentioned, can help us to quantify not what happened in one portion of the state, but overall now in Michigan and Wisconsin, but hopefully expanding to other states as well. Sounds great. I also want to ask you then before we take our break here on Dairy Stream is uh, when it comes to the data, I mean, is this going to be released in a process of, you know, when we're done after three years or will you, as you get more information, be releasing information throughout that period? Starting to collect the baseline data right now mm-hmm. with all the farmers in the program. And that takes some time. It's a lot of data. And then throughout the three years, we're going to be collecting uh, supplementary data. So, so then we can say, okay, farmers, it starts in 2022, and now we are in 2025. What changed during that time? After that, Mike, we're going to be able to release the data. Also, I want to just emphasize, not release by name. Uh, of course, is a we are very... Uh, we worry a lot about privacy, right? So we want to make sure that it's going to be all compiled and it's not going to be Derek Farms or John or, you know, uh, that it would be all compiled. Of course, Derek would have access to his own information that can help him to go to the next step on that journey that I call. That is the voice of Ricardo Costa. He's the Agriculture Strategy Manager for Nature Conservancy, also on hand. And we'll continue in the conversation. will be Mercedes Atalfati and Derek Jacobs, who he just mentioned, who's the farm manager and one of the orders of Jacobs Hillview Dairy in Hilbert, Wisconsin, uh, will be with us as well as we try in the second half to talk a little bit more about what we learned, what opportunities uh, there are through this program. And I know people are looking at economic impact, but what about the economic Effect. We'll get into that as well as we continue here on Dairy Stream. And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor. The Nature Conservancy is a global conservation organization dedicated to conserving the lands and waters on which all life depends. Guided by science, we create innovative, on-the-ground solutions to our world's toughest challenges so that nature and people can thrive together. In Wisconsin, we help farmers improve soil health and protect clean water while sustaining profitability. We also collaborate with communities, governments, businesses, and other nonprofits to protect Wisconsin's most outstanding natural areas, address climate change and its impacts, and help make cities more sustainable. To learn more, visit nature.org backslash Wisconsin. Well, thanks again for listening to Dairy Stream. It's brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. Today, we're talking about Dairy Feed and Focus Program. It's a program that has a lot of quality partners, including the Nature Conservancy, Syngenta, Nestle, 
the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy and Foremost Farms USA, and especially in Wisconsin, where they're represented today on the program by Mercedes Talbati, who is the Farm Sustainability Analyst at Foremost Farms USA. Also, uh, Ricardo Costa is with us. He's the Agricultural Strategy Manager at Nature Conservancy. And Derek Jacobs, a farmer manager and one of the owners of Jacobs Hillview Dairy in Hilbert, Wisconsin, where they farm about 800 acres. And Ricardo, I want to get back to you as we continue our conversation. And I know along with the practices and the manure management in the field, this program also focuses on new feed mixtures, including some additives or new crop varieties. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what has been done so far in that area? Definitely, Mike. And I want to say that we have feed in the name of the program for a reason, right? We know that there are areas of improvement regarding greenhouse gas emissions coming from ruminants, for example, cows. At the same time, we know there are products out there that can help to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions. And that can be feed additives, such as the one that Mercedes mentioned. That could be corn hybrid as well that can help that on that. So the program is not only supporting in-field practice, like no-till, cover crop, and so on, but we are supporting the adoption of those products as well. So in 2022, we didn't have that lineup, but we will be uh, we actually starting to support the adoption of those products, uh, those techniques, uh, what we call feed innovation uh, from the 2023 onward. All right, we well, appreciate that. And uh, I know earlier, Ricardo had mentioned greenhouse gas emissions and Mercedes, I know that you're kind of an expert in that field. so. You do track greenhouse gas emissions, I know, at the farm level using the farm ES model. And I guess I'd like, first of all, to maybe have you explain to listeners what the farm ES model is and then how is that calculated? And then is that being tracked really when you talk about the dairy feed and focus program as well? Yes, of course. So as Ricardo mentioned, a large part of this project is data collection. Um, So we really have to exhibit that what we're doing in this project is making a positive difference for the farmer, for the dairy industry, and for our ecosystem. Therefore, along with using other models, we are using the farm program's environmental stewardship model. So the farm program meaning farmers assuring responsible management, their greenhouse gas tracking tool, which is the environmental stewardship model. Um, So... By using farm-level data that dairies provide us, we can anonymize and aggregate information that results in a farm's carbon equivalent emissions, therefore giving us a carbon footprint of each farm. This model is based off a life cycle assessment, um, and it really caters to the dairy industry and dairy farmers specifically, rather than um, kind of looking at all modes of agriculture. So, and Foremost already uses the farm program for animal care and workforce development. Therefore, we are happy to support their environmental stewardship program as well. And we're excited that this model will come out with an updated version three in 2024, which is during the Feed and Focus program. That will really contribute to an increased knowledge about the current footprint about of the dairy industry and the impact, and this will impact us as we are on our journey to net zero as an industry. So we're really excited by the ES model and what it can offer dairy farmers when they investigate their own personal carbon footprint and how certain 
implementation of regenerative or sustainable practices can change that. That's the voice of Mercedes Tobati. And Mercedes, I just want to ask you kind of a follow-up from that, because you hear a lot of times that, especially in other parts of the country, there certainly is a lot of concern about uh, greenhouse gas emissions, a lot of focus on that. You know, they look to the dairy industry. So do you feel, you know, with that kind of as a background, it's important that through the Dairy Feed and Focus Program, we're going to be coming out with new information and maybe, again, presenting to the general public just what is going on in that area when you talk about dairy production, be it a small, large, or medium-sized farm? Yes, of course. Um, There is a lot of talk about greenhouse gas and how we measure and track that within the agricultural system. And we really want to show and exhibit that the dairy industry can be a solution to a lot of these issues that we're facing in that, especially when it comes to using ruminant animals as a solution and using their manure as a byproduct. So it's really an exciting time to be in this greenhouse gas tracking and modeling stage of the program just because it can really help and elevate the dairy industry to tell their story and show that dairy farmers are making an impact and everybody in the agricultural industry and other industries as well are making changes to their systems to improve them as we um, really work as a nation to reduce the impact of greenhouse gas emissions on our environment. And it's also important to our farmers to for them to track ecosystem services. So we want to make sure that we have healthy soil and clean water not only to utilize them on the dairy farm, but also to make sure that our communities are happy and healthy. Um, And we really want to show that the dairy industry is working toward clean ecosystems that um, support the next generations of farmers and environmental stewards. Thank you, Mercedes. I really appreciate the answer on that. Uh, You did mention that you're working with you know, honest to goodness producers uh, in this project. One of those is Derek Jacobs, who is the owner and farmer manager of Jacobs Hill Dairy, along with his other partners. They farm in Hilbert, Wisconsin. And let's get back to you, uh, Derek, about what you've kind of learned thus far. So can you go over, I mean, I know there's some good things you want to talk about, but there might've been some challenges thus far as well. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the good and maybe the not so good from the different practices you've been trying out that you've learned. So yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Mike. So we've learned First and foremost, we have to be patient. Go through, test, and test your soil, test the tissue on the plants, but be patient. Don't expect that you're going to get a bumper crop in the first year if you're going from conventional tillage to no-till or reduced till. Pick your battle. By going with a slower approach, you can learn on one field a tough lesson versus learning on all your fields. We have learned lessons. Um 2020, we had early drought. 2021, we had a five-week drought where the corn was starting to shrivel up. It was second week of June, and we hadn't had a drink of water. So, And the beans were also suffering. Some of the beans that were no-tilled into rice stubble in 21 were really suffering even into June. So that with getting those late rainstorms, which I kind of mentioned in the first place why we started this program to try to mitigate negative effects from these pretty well disasters when you get five, six inches of rain at one time. Um, You know, we went into no-tilling corn. Well, no-tilling corn on clay 
presents its own challenges. So sure does. to be able to, yeah, it does. So to be able to do that, we've tried different heights of living rye or harvested rye planting into stubble and then going back with manure just to try to find the sweet spot where the clay is still malleable or where the seed trench would still close and we could get a proper crop out of the field. Some of those fields, we had some emergence issues. Some fields we had tip back after we thought it was going to be a beautiful crop and you find out that the top third isn't fully pollinated. But now this year we ended up, we took off mm-hmm. a winter barley planted last fall, took it off this spring, harvested that, pounded in corn and then put manure over the top with just splash pan like you would on a hay field. And we ended up, we had just about the same yield on that field as we did some of the conventional tillage fields. So we're picking our battles, we're taking our time, being patient, and going through testing. And we're not just testing every couple of years what would be required for a nutrient management plan. I'm going through testing for sure every other year. And sometimes in season, we're finding out what the corn is looking for. Why is this corn doing what it's doing? What do we have to provide to the corn so that it can outproduce some of the other you know more intensively grown corns well derek again thank you for you know your candor and your thorough answers there i think it really is a benefit to the farmers listening here from hearing another farmer about what you've gone through what you're you know happy about and some of the challenges you face and i'm sure uh, some of them may face as well so again thanks for that very thorough answer on that uh as i said that was derek jacobs he's a farmer manager and one of the owners of jacobs hillview dairy in hilbert and he's a participant in the Dairy Feed and Focus program, uh, one that uh, Ricardo Costa really knows a lot about. He is the Agricultural Strategy Manager at uh, the Nature Conservancy. And Ricardo, now, you know, the farmers are listening, they're hearing, okay, here's you know a lot of environmental benefits, uh, some good areas to look at, the improvements we're seeing, but dairy is a business, no matter what size operation we're talking about, and you'd have to bring in the economics. So I wanna just kind of ask you, what are the economic benefits you've seen thus far, or hope to see from the Dairy Feed and Focus program? Yeah, definitely, Mike. There's uh, $1 billion questions, right? So to start off, yes, we do provide financial support for a lot of different practices, and that amount which varies depending on which practice the farmer is adopting. For example, for cover crops, our payment rate is $40 per acre. Uh, that aligns similar with what local and federal agencies are paying. With the benefit, I would say, that it's pretty easy to work with us. So that's like the direct first benefit. I would also say that when you are uh, putting some of those practices in the field, and, and Derek might be able to talk better about that, but there is a chance you're going to be also reducing the use of inputs on your, in your field. So let's say you might be using less fuel because you're doing less passes on the field. You might be using less synthetic fertilizer. That also helps the farmer bottom line, help him to, help, help, so to help them to save money. At the same time, also helps, let's not forget about greenhouse gas emissions as well. Mm-hmm. I would say a third that, that I see as a, a way that those conservation practices, they have the potential to increase the field resiliency. So that can 
all those soil health benefits can translate in better yields as well. So it's just not to one side approach, but I see benefits from many different sides, economic benefits from, uh, uh, from adopting those conservation practices and working with Feed and Folks program. Well, Ricardo, thank you for that answer. And Derek, Ricardo did mention your name, so I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. Have you seen or do you expect any economic benefits from this and, you know, things that already occurred or you think will occur through the life of the program and beyond? Well, the goal would be to have less passes in a growing season. Mm -hmm. And with fossil fuels getting higher priced or inputs becoming more and more expensive, that's kind of our goal is to have economic impact. And it makes a lot of sense. And to say, you know, less passes, especially with rising, uh, you know, fuel costs, it just makes, you know, economic sense. So, again, thanks for kind of highlighting that as well. Fortunately, our time goes rather quickly here on Dairy Stream, and I still want to get to a couple of things. And this question here, I want to involve all three of you, but I want to begin with you, Derek, as we do look ahead into the program. In your opinion or in your plans, what are the next conservation strategies you're looking to do on your farm? So we kind of started with targeted fertilization a little bit more this year. I want to continue that concept going into next year. So we're only putting what we need and where we need it. Also, we looking forward down the road would be reducing our chemical usage. And I know there's different opportunities with selective technology. We're going through with sprayers with red light sensors. So you can see the green on brown. Uh, you're not targeting 100% weed control but we could significantly reduce the amount of Roundup or glyphosate or whatever you're spraying. You could significantly reduce the amount that's needed to get the goal or to, to achieve what you're looking for. And Mercedes Tofati is also with us. Uh, she happens to be the farm sustainability analyst at Foremost Farms USA. And uh, what about Mercedes, uh, you know, beyond Derek's farm, your other patron farms? What kind of uh, conservation things, you know, are they looking at moving forward? Yeah, Foremost is really lucky to have such a diverse network of member owners. So really no project looks the same on each farm. And I'm kind of excited to see a little bit of everything people are doing, if that's diversified cover crop, planting green, or um, even touching on grazing. These kind of things and the diversity of projects available really make it an engaging and dynamic project for our um, farmers. They're really innovative and they have a lot of ideas and the funding provided in this program allows them to um, experiment and try certain things that they've been looking forward to and so it's really just kind of exciting to see what everybody does. And I'm I'm really hopeful for the next group of farmers that will recruit in 2023 to see what they will get up to, because I'm sure that it'll be really different than this group of farmers. So um, I'm a little bit excited for everything. And what about uh, with the other farmers you've been working with, Ricardo? I mean, outside of what Derek mentioned, has there been some other things maybe we haven't discussed uh, today on our podcast or other things you're hoping will be addressed in the forward? Mike, um, I'll tell you, and, uh, and Derek, he knows that very well. It does take time to see the benefits of those conservation practices, right? So it, right. Takes, it yeah. takes time to fine-tune what works for you, what works for your neighbor. While I would be very happy to see farmers going to the next step, let's say now they want to go and try feed additives, right? I wanted the farmers, first of all, to feel confident with the practice they are doing today. 
So I wanted them to have enough time to try to fine-tune what they're doing today. That discover crops, that is a, a no-till throughout the life of the program because the goal is they learn, they see the response, they, they see the benefits of those practices. And after the program sunset, they will be willing to not only to keep doing those practices, but expand on their own. So that's like, uh, I'm excited to, uh, to see farmers just keeping doing what they're doing today. And of course, to see farmers like Derek and other infidem folks sharing their knowledge, their experience in doing this conservation practice so we can actually bring more people to this, I would say, great program. No, that's a good point. And yeah, you, you make a very good point about, you know, things don't happen overnight and how things progress. And when somebody sees their neighbor being successful and then they start to uh, decide that maybe that's good for uh, their farm. I think back to my broadcast career and I did a feature once on no-till and red clay soil and people were like, what are you, nuts? <laughs> this can't work. Well, it certainly does. And the same thing holds for cover crops. You didn't think of that at, hardly at all. And now, you know, our landscape is pop, you know, all over the place populated by cover crops. And that's a real good thing. And it's because of, you know, people, like all three of you, but in particular, Derek, who has been that kind of entrepreneur who's taken that step and demonstrated in his own farm how it works. And again, I thank all three of you for being our guest today. I do want to close with you, Ricardo, on the idea that, you know, you do hope that people will replicate this program. So when and how can other dairy farmers and processors get access to it? Right, of course. Yes, I just wanted to confirm. It is. And the goal is to expand the program now to other dairy farmers in Michigan and Wisconsin, and eventually to other states. So if there is, I wanted to emphasize that, Mike, if we have any dairy farmers in Wisconsin that deliver milk to Farmworth Farms or in Michigan deliver milk to MMPA, please contact me at ricardo.costa at tnc.org. But if we also have some dairy processors that they wanted to bring that program to their area as well, or to, they just wanted to learn more about the program, they can contact us at soil at tnc.org, or they can also go to our webpage, that's nature.org slash working land to learn more about the program. Ricardo Costa, Mercedes Tolfati, and Derek Jacobs, thank you all three wholeheartedly for your insights and the commitment you've made to this program. We thank you again for informing us and educating us about the Dairy Feed and Focus program and letting us know the opportunities to get involved as dairy producers and as you even mentioned, processors as well. I also want to thank, as always, our producer, editor, and farm broadcaster, that's Joanna Guza, for her continued contributions to our podcast. And especially want to thank you for joining us again this time around to listen to what's being done in the dairy industry, to enhance its future as it focuses in on its commitment to increasing the quality of our environment through agriculture. And of course, we also uh, want to thank you for uh, listening to other topics and giving us ideas of what we're going to share on Dairy Stream. Again, thank you for being with us. I'm Mike Austin. This has been Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, just email us, podcast at dairyforward.com. 